welcome to episode 20 of Batonk Points Podcast. Yes, that's episode 20. How good is that? You know, they say 98% of all podcasts don't get past six episodes. Amazing. A bit of variety this week, a book review, a tool review, and some Afro beats. Our special feature studio guest has just returned from a very big competition on a very small island. And as always, there's more to come. So settle in, careful if you're driving, and let's get the show on the road. Andy Gilbert has written a book about an easier way to aim and point and shoot in the great game of Patong. The book is designed for the average club player who would like to improve their game to become a decent competitive player. The book is titled Play Better Patong by Andy Gilbert and is available on your local Amazon book site. The long title is Hints, Tips, Tricks and Observations to Play Better Patong. Gilbert's credentials are that he has represented New Zealand as both a player and an umpire. And after an injury and forced layoff, he had to come up with a new way of playing the game. And he did. His new method does away with the old picture of a club player standing in the circle with their arm held out in front and then trying to get some read on the terrain. Sounds like me, actually. With Andy's method, increased accuracy while aiming is almost a certainty. Pointy becomes more of a given thing and there is always a couple of new methods of shooting available to the club player. While he makes no claims that this is the most valuable book in Patong, he does maintain that this is the book that will take any player to the next level of achievement in the game. Sounds to me like it should be part of every player's arsenal. A few episodes back, we introduced Rex's Rod, a simple single-handed metre measuring device to help settle disputes on distances quickly. It seems it inspired Max Thomas of Camberwell Patong Club to produce the Bool Tool, a special device to aid in finding the closest to the jack of two bulls that can't easily be separated. The ingenious tool is precision made from, can you believe it, car antennas and works on the principle of Pythagoras' theorem. You know, the sum of the square of the other two sides equals the number of cappuccinos you get on the hypotenuse, or something to that effect. It may sound complicated, but it is very simple. A smart device. You can find a video on how to use it by going to the CPC website. It's there under Social News. Now, it turns out that Max is a very talented man in many ways, not least music, especially the Cuban drums. Check this out. Recorded in Gippsland in 1997. Oh, Maxie. 
Not bad, hey? Max is playing there with the Woodbees band. Maybe more later. All clubs survive because of their members' input. Here is an article by the Australian Sports Commission titled Sport Volunteer Coalition Action Plan, which has a number of very interesting points to make. Issues with volunteering aren't just confined to Patonk, and the action plan above is aimed at all Australian sport. Modern-day lifestyles and the impact of COVID are being pointed at for Australia losing over 100,000 volunteers in the past few years, and other data shows a similar picture around the world. This has led to the most committed volunteers increasing what they do, risking disillusionment and burnout. Sport Everywhere needs a larger pool of volunteers to draw upon to reduce the burden on these key people. Without volunteers, Australian sport wouldn't exist. Volunteers are the backbone of local sporting clubs, freely contributing their time and knowledge for the benefit of their sport as well as the participants, their families and the local community. We want to celebrate all that volunteers bring to sport while attracting more volunteers and better supporting the ones we have. It's absolutely true that competitive petonk simply wouldn't exist without volunteers, and they are the backbone of clubs around the world. Clubs are our local community, and with so much day-to-day communication being digital, having a hub where you regularly meet in person for social interaction and to pursue our passion for playing is more important than ever. In Australia alone, the labour value of volunteering is four billion Australian dollars. That's a huge figure in anyone's budget. And so encouraging and enabling volunteers should be at the top of every club's agenda. Our special guest in the studio this week is Giselle Whiteacre. Giselle has just returned from an exciting trip to a Pacific island where she represented Australia in a major competition. Here she is to tell us all about it. Giselle, welcome to Patong Point's podcast. Well, actually, it's uh, welcome again to you because you've been with us before. I have indeed. Yeah, when you were commentating on the videos for the Novar Gardens and Nationals, which was just fantastic. Thank you. Most people in Australia would know you from being the president of the PFA yeah. as well as being a commentator on the videos for the Nationals. <laughs> My two claims to fame. <laughs> there you go. Um, I do have listeners, though, in uh, all of the major countries around the world, including the UAE, Denmark, Taiwan, Kingdom of Jordan, Ethiopia, Bulgaria, and a number of others. So they may not That's know too much about you. I just thought we'd better make sure that everyone knows you are the president of the Patong Federation of Australia, as well as an extremely good Patong player, and you are with Nova Club itself, aren't you? I am indeed, yes. And notice before that you do live a very exciting life, and I'm not going to ask you too much about that because it's just <laughs> off the planet as far as I'm concerned, but more up to what involved with Patong. Over the last couple of weeks, you've been doing something really, really interesting, and that included going to Papiati. Papiati. Well, well, actually, it's Tahiti. It was in Papara in the south of Tahiti. Uh, for people like me and all those people in the UAE, what was the name of the competition and where was it? That is the Oceania Patonk Championship, uh, which this year were held in the rather small village of Papara in the south of Tahiti. How long did that go for? Was it over a whole week or just a weekend? Just under a week. So I think, yeah, four days in total. 
right. of, of actual of actual competition. So the first day was shooting and pointing competitions, so individual. Second day was singles. Third day was doubles. Final day was triples. So a bit of everything. <laughs> you went representing Australia, and congratulations on that. Thank you. Come back to that a little bit later. But uh, were many other countries represented in this competition? It's a relatively small competition. It is only the Oceania uh, nations that are invited. So this year it was uh, New Caledonia, New Zealand, Australia, Tahiti. Yeah, nice little tight group. Yeah, so just the four this year. How did you find the actual running of the competition itself in the ways of administration? And what were the quality of the playing grounds that you were on and, and even the facilities that you were there it was very interesting. The playing grounds were uh, amazingly difficult, <laughs> very challenging, very technical piece. There was not a lot of not a lot of gravel on them, so you know, quite hard piece. Yeah. Uh, with a lot of roll, some of them had you know there were the usual lumps and humps and <laughs> dips and all that kind of stuff, but also a lot of uh, rocks just underneath the surface. Right. It was interesting to see. You know, these these are not grounds that we have a lot of in Australia. That's not the sort of thing you'd be used to playing on here. Yeah, definitely a challenge. But the Tahitians, I tell you what, they, they know what to do with those grounds. They're incredible. And while they still had, you know, the, the occasional ball that went um, a little bit random, yeah. uh, they certainly didn't have as many as we did. And just seeing how they played on those grounds was, was inspirational, to be honest. Right. Uh, other teams from the other countries around the Oceania, they would have faced the same situation, or did you see that they were able to handle those pretty well themselves? I suspect New Caledonia may have similar grounds because they performed really well on those grounds as well. New Zealand, I think, faced maybe some of the similar struggles that we had. But I mean, it was you know, it was both good and bad. Like we all had we all had good parts of play and <laughs> less good parts of play. So, you know, everyone did an amazing job, but, yeah, it was just meeting that challenge. Exactly. And unfortunately for the Australian team, a little hiccup in our journey over meant that we didn't have as much practice time on the ground before the competition as we would have liked. Before I get to that, because you're talking about the quality of the piece and or the difficulty of the piece, particularly for yeah. the Australian teams, what were the final outcomes of the results? How did Australia perform overall? Look, we didn't bring home any medals this time, but we did well overall. The main achievement is actually our men's team qualifying for the World World Championships. Excellent. Um, so that was that was a fantastic result, and that was actually that was sort of slightly separate from the rest of the competition. That was a triples competition to qualify, and they were held each evening. So that was kind of the end of each day. There okay. was a, a qualifying game. Yep. But the guys made it through, so that was very exciting. Excellent. Um, yeah, we had different teams that made it into quarterfinals, but that was the closest we got this time. Just to get there is excellent in the first instance, I think. In fact, how does one qualify for the team that went there? Okay, well, the first thing you have to do is nominate. So the PSA generally sends out um, some kind of email communication saying, you know, this is the competition we have coming up who's interested Yep. because there is a financial commitment. You, you do have to be able to, to contribute to your cost. Right. And so, you know, unfortunately at this stage we don't have, you know, massive sports funding or, or sponsorship that we can rely on. Mm -hmm. That's something that obviously we want to work towards but not something in place at the moment. Mm -hmm. So first thing, you know, is 
Are you available to play on those dates? Because obviously people have work commitments and so on as well, and life commitments. Of course. You know, are you able and willing to meet the obligations of getting there? And then you put in an application and the application includes your achievements, you know, over the past sort of four, five, six years. Oh, right. Uh, so, so I wouldn't get a much of a look in by the sounds of things. <laughs> well, I don't know. You've just got to create a good story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. You know, and it's, it's not only based on those sporting achievements. It's also on how well you're, you integrate into a team. So yep. there is a, a, an independent selection panel that is completely independent from the PFA board. Oh, okay, um, right, yep. Once all of the nominations are in, that panel takes nominations and assesses them and uh, um, through a process of discussion uh, decides on who they think would make the strongest team for that particular event. Yep. That then goes to the PFA to basically be ratified. Right, okay. How large was the Australian team? So in this one, four, four men, four women. Is that so all? quite a small team. Yeah, that's all. I thought there was 20 or 30. No, only eight of us in total. Plus, we had you know we had a coach, a team manager, um, yes. and then we had a couple of extras who came along to support the players. Sure. Oh well, congratulations yeah. even more. Oh, I think that's spectacular. <laughs> oh, well done, well done. Oh, and uh, when you were playing over there, was the weather a problem for you? Oh my goodness, it was steamy. It was it was so hot. Yeah. You know, and not just hot; it was that really quite muggy heat as well. Mm. So. You, you know, in between, you really just ran and cooled off. Yep, gosh. <laughs> um, you know, straight to the bathroom to, to flick water on your face yep. and, uh, and just try and cool down. At one stage, they actually brought in the fire brigade to spray the piece oh, because no. the, there was so much dust coming up. Good grief. Yeah, it's the first time I've seen anything like that. And the other thing I do have to tell you that was a first for me was in the, uh, I think it was the second last night, it may have been the last night, while the guys were playing their final qualifying match, it had gotten dark and so they had the floodlights on and thousands of flying ants were attracted to the light to the point where they had to actually stop play. Oh, no. Turn turn the lights off (laughs) for a little while. And then when they turned them on, they also, uh, Tahitian style, had a little um, fire burning and sort of smoked the insects away. (laughs) There were so many of them. I've never seen anything like it. It was amazing. I was going to say, that sounds like a one-off. That's incredible. Yeah, it's the only time I've seen play halted for insect invasion. (laughs) (laughs) So you've had a few interesting little things. Now, you did mention earlier that uh, there may have been a few dramas uh, actually getting to the competition. And what about coming home too? Like the the one question I ask everybody that flies nowadays, whether it's internally or internationally, did you come home with luggage? And was it yours? No, I did not. I I did not come home with luggage. (laughs) Have you got it yet? It's arrived. Uh, you know, it, yeah, it, it it did arrive, but it did not arrive on. It, it, oddly, you know, it made it all the way. So the the flight path that the majority of us took was to fly from. Well, you know, I'm from Adelaide, so flying from Adelaide to Melbourne, and then Melbourne to Auckland. All right, and yep. then yep. and then Auckland to Papiete, yep. and then we were collected there and driven down to Papara. Right. Um, my suitcase made it all the way back to Melbourne. It just didn't quite make it to Adelaide. <laughs> So it was that tiny last leg that you would have thought would be the easy you part. You would think, uh, yeah, yeah. So that was coming home. What about going there? 
Yeah, going we had a little bit of drama. So two of the team made it over. They went over a little bit earlier yep. uh, and spent some time, you know, visiting the island because there is quite a lot to see and do there. Mm-hmm. Uh, for the rest of us, we kind of met up en route. So we all ended up on the same flight from Auckland. Oh, okay. Uh, so, yep. you know, there was so there were some that flew in from Sydney, some that flew in from Melbourne. Yep. That was all fine. We got on the flight. We got halfway to Tahiti and then they turned the flight around because there was an engineering issue. Oh, gosh. Uh, and we flew back to Auckland <laughs> and we were put up in a hotel that night right. and just told to come back to the airport the next day. So we went back to the airport the next day and spent several hours negotiating on what happened next. Yeah, yeah. And so the final outcome was that they they eventually put on a recovery flight, but they put it on on Tuesday. And if we had caught that flight, we wouldn't have made the competition. Right. So, so we managed to nab the last few seats for our group of 11. Uh, we managed to just squeeze in. Wow. In fact, when I say just, the person after me in line did not make it onto this flight. My goodness. Oh. Yeah, we got onto a Monday night flight, which courtesy of the international date line... Uh, means that we arrived on Monday morning. Right. It's <laughs> always a little bit strange. Yeah. At something like 2 o'clock in the morning, you know, we we went to our accommodation, we wandered around and checked in, and then at 6.30 we got up for breakfast oh. <laughs> and we were on the piece uh, ready for the opening ceremony by 8 a.m. Oh, with zero practice on those teeth. Goodness so, gracious. <laughs> you like a challenge, went, obviously. Oh, that was not my choice. I blame Air New Zealand fully for that part of the story. (laughs) Damn, eh? That's just incredible. Yeah. Yeah, so, like I said, you do live an exciting life. (laughs) Yeah, that one I wouldn't have, I certainly wouldn't have chosen. It would have been, um, it would have been nice to have, you know, that little bit of extra time just getting used to those, especially given the nature of the piece. Um, just to get used to that. But, you know, you, you've you got to roll with the punches, right? So you, you work with what you have. Yep, yep, yep. So did you take advantage at the end of the competition and, and do some sightseeing? I did, yeah. I spent an extra couple of days there. You know, I feel like the first part of it was such a, a mad rush. Yep. You know, we in, in Auckland, we kind of dashed off and found a local piece to go and practice on. Yep. And it was, fortunately, it was the piece that the New Zealand team had practiced on. So actually two of their pieces, they had cleared the extra gravel off so that it was more similar All right, to the yes. ones in Tahiti. So at least that gave us a little bit of a warm-up. So yep. we did that both uh, both days. Oh, good, good. Yeah, but so, so you know, the first part all felt a bit stressful and, and rushed and then we arrived and it was exhausting and you're out in the heat every day. It was fantastic but, but very tiring. So yeah. at the end, just to have a few days to kind of relax, yep. go for a swim, Lovely. make the most of that summery weather and just explore a little bit of, of the island. It was Yeah, it was a great opportunity. Sounds just fantastic. That part of it does anyway. And this competition, uh, Giselle, is this an annual thing or is it every couple of years or is it just a one-off? It's usually every two years. Yep. Um, so it has been running for a while and we Australia does regularly send a team to participate. Um, with all of the covid uh, delays and so on, you know, with yep. with the inability to run events. Sure. Um, it does mean that actually there will be another one next year. Oh. Yeah, so so getting back on schedule. <laughs> if I can uh, ramp up my practice sessions and <laughs> wave the hand and see if I can come over for a trip. 
Exactly. Well, this one will be in New Mia, so that will be quite exciting. Uh, maybe my position might be the drinks boy or the orange lad or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> well, we could do with one of those. <laughs> Sounds great to me. Jess, oh, look, that sounds absolutely fantastic, really exciting, and, uh, yeah, you should have done a video of that as well. That uh, that would have been just spectacular. Oh, we could have. <laughs> it would have been great. <laughs> yeah. So, look, thank you very much for that. I'll let you go now. I know that you're uh, running on a tight schedule, and I am too, but I uh, really do appreciate you telling us that, and I'm sure that'll be one of our more popular items from this particular podcast, if not many of our podcasts. Oh, well, thank you for having me along. My pleasure, as always. Good luck, Giselle. You take care. <laughs> thank you. You too. Okay, bye now. Bye, Rex. Bye. As everyone in the eastern states of Australia would be aware, there's been a far more than fair dumping of rain recently. This has caused a few cancellations of competitions. Mount Mass, well, try again, Mount Macedon being the most recent in Victoria, and of course the Nagambi Patonk Club's 2022 Mitchelton's Masters. This has now been scheduled, ah, uh, no, it hasn't, this has now been rescheduled to Sunday, the 30th of October. Please note that it does clash with the Weird and Entertainers Masters Double. I was going to present an article for you on chocolate bars, but I didn't think much of it. I just snickered. I know you know what you're doing. So good. for being with the Tong Points podcast on its 20th episode. Check out Andy's book. Be amazed at the bull tool and dig those drums. Keep on volunteering. And how good was Giselle's trip? Come back next time and we will have... I hope. If you or your club would like to feature an item on the Tong Points podcast, contact me, rex at audiorexygmail.com. AudioRexy at gmail.com Rex out. You're a good man, Rex. Sick of Rex. Sick of Rex.